Calling all instructional coaches. Join Forward Edge for Coaches Camp in summer 2023. Coaches Camp is packed with high quality professional development exclusively for you. Attendees will work with like-minded coaches on creating strategies for building teacher relationships, executing coaching cycles, and building a culture of coaching and tech integration within their district. There are two opportunities to attend Coaches Camp in the summer of 2023. You can join us virtually June 12th through 14th or come visit us in Cincinnati on July 26th. 7th and 28th. Please visit forward-edge.net slash coachcamp to reserve your spot today. I'm Justin Thomas, and this is the Restart Recharge podcast, a podcast by coaches for coaches. We bring the tips and tricks to help you in your everyday work as an instructional coach or whatever they call you in your school district. So hopefully you're going to leave this episode with us today feeling just a little bit less on your own coaching island. And our role as coaches is an interesting one because we get to work with administration, we get to work with educators and even students, but sometimes it can be complicated to show your value and importance in a district, especially if you were in such a large school district in terms of both student population and even uh, geographical sense. So how do you prove your worth when you are in that large district with multiple buildings that are sometimes many miles apart? We're going to tackle those issues today in order to find the perfect balance with working with our educators and how to show our value in our district. So we have a couple of guests on here today. The first guest is Cami Kanikins, and she is in her sixth year as a district instructional coach in a rural school district in southern Alberta, Canada, which is a small population but very large geographical area of over 11,000 square miles. Well, yeah, that's large. (laughs) Uh, Prior to that, she taught high school English and social studies for 20 years and concurrently did a five-year gig teaching an ed tech course to pre-service teachers at a local college. She has a master's degree in educational leadership and among other ed tech certifications is a Seesaw certified educator, a Google certified trainer and coach, ISTE community leader, and a Microsoft innovative educator expert. She works in providing learning experiences across great distances for both students and teachers by introducing them to digital tools that help them connect and build relationships and amplify community-based projects. She also loves providing virtual ed tech PD for teachers and school board across Canada as a Cobblestone Collective team member, which was formerly EdTech Team Canada. So welcome in, Cami. Well, hello there. It's great to be here. Yes, Kimmy, yeah. it is so nice to have you on the podcast. Um, we are really looking forward to diving in the conversation with you um, as well as uh, our second guest here with us today, Rachel Porter, that I have the pleasure of introducing. She is an instructional design coach here with us at Forward Edge. Prior to joining us here at Forward Edge, she spent the bulk of her teaching career in high school language arts, but also has experience teaching middle school and kindergarten quite the uh yeah, whiplash the I felt like you had there, Rachel, um, for more than 20 years in education. Rachel has two adult children, one teenage daughter, and a grandson. Rachel has a passion for connecting to new and veteran teachers alike, supporting them in a way that makes them feel safe to learn new things. Outside of education, you can find Rachel at various restaurants playing trivia with friends, growing her family's online editing business, or enjoying a quiet evening at the Quinn Chapel, her historical church home in Glendale, Ohio. 
So Rachel, we are super excited to have you on the podcast for the first time as well. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you both for coming on. But let's just start right off with it. So the schools that you coach at are both, um, they're they're large districts in terms of both geographical sense, but also in terms of student population. Um, So if you don't mind, just kind of talk about how many staff and students that you are supporting, how many buildings you work in. And uh, obviously, Cameron, we talked a little bit, it was in your bio, uh, over 11,000 miles and square square miles. That's that's a large district to cover. Well, let me, okay, so I I did a little wanted to put that in context. So if our district was an American state, okay. we would be the 42nd largest. We would be larger than Maryland, but smaller than West Virginia. Wow. So wow. geographically, we're, you know, bigger than than 20% of the American state. So that that is a lot of geographic area. Wow. Thank um, you for painting that visual yeah. picture. First of all, I feel like I can understand 11,000 miles a little bit better. But Cami, actually, I'm sorry, I'm going to interrupt for just a second, because um, just from a clarification standpoint, um, for our listeners, most of whom come from the U.S., um, we have a little bit of a, a global mm-hmm. listenership. But um, I believe in Canada, you call your like what we call a school district. That's kind of reports to the same collective, you know, Mm-hmm. Re- reporting and superintendent um, and, and leadership team, you call them school boards. Is that correct? Is, is, am I understanding well, that correct? Yes, can you clarify that for us before we dive in? We call them a lot of things. So okay. school board would be common. And that's, I think, really comes out in, in uh, Ontario. Here, you could use school board. You could say, what school district are you from? What school division? We use them all like pretty much synonymously, interchangeably. If there's a if there's a distinction, I'm not even sure how we would distinguish. So we use them all. Okay. So, okay. okay. Thank you. Sorry, I just need to kind of wrap no, my head around that and, that is and a, some of that the language we might yeah. hear as you as you talk through. So sorry. Back back to Justin's question about <laughs> the, the size and scope of the the school. All right. Okay. So in our school, Prairie School Division. I think our name has Prairie School Division. Prairie School District. Now I can't, I don't even know if the D is division or district (laughs) when I think about it. So it's one of those. So we have, so geographically very large, if I was going to get in my car, which I do a lot and drive from one end to the other, it would be about three and a half hours um, between our, our farthest schools. Now I don't always, I don't ever do that in, in, well, hardly ever do that in one day. So that's kind of our North to South, our East to West isn't, isn't quite as big. So within that we have 18 physical schools and then we have three or four kind of online entities about hmm, 2300 students and about 210 teachers now the interesting thing is in addition to that we also have what are called Hutterite colonies so think like Amish uh, type colony but not but lots of agri like they do not drive horse and buggy they have the biggest tractors and the biggest <laughs> agricultural equipment that you could imagine like they are uh, super tech uh, agriculturally but they live um on colonies and so we have about 18 of those within our our school division as well because it's very agriculture so um as coaches we don't go to those schools often but we do sometimes go to those schools as well so our the other thing that's really interesting is our the makeup of our schools. Our largest school was the high school that I taught at is about four hundred and seventy students right now. That's uh, ten to twelve, but then we have a lot of really tiny uh, kind of remote schools. So we have uh, K to nine schools that have less than thirty kids. If you can wrap your head around that, yeah. so they're triple graded. We have a couple 
uh, probably about four or five schools that have less than less than 50, but some that as small as less than less than 30 for K to nine. So wow. uh, that's, you know, those it's quite different in um, the size of our schools. And then their needs are very different as well, based sure. on those demographics within the schools. So that's wow. a bit about about my situation. Wow. I do yeah. get a, I do have a, a car that comes with my job. So oh, that's, that's nice. nice. <laughs> That's a that's a uh, good, but it sounds like very necessary perk that you need. Yeah, I still can't get over the fact that you basically are driving like the, an entire state <laughs> every, every day. Well, yeah, do, like, and, not, and you know, I don't go to all this like. Sure. It's you're right. It's not like it's even a every you know. It's not like I go every 18 days around, but some days I'm on the road. Well, most days I'm on the road all the time. So my office, I do have an office, a desk at a place, but really my office is in my car. You should yeah. see the back seat. <laughs> <laughs> you need one of those vans maybe for for next year or something like that. You can mm-hmm. actually put like a yeah, a little bench or a desk back there. Like or something one of like those like uh, pull down a little bed if she needs it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Have a little kitchen in there, a little kitchenette. Um, awesome. Well, Rachel, tell us about your situation. Okay. Well, mine is definitely much more scrunched together. <laughs> uh, my district just spans about eight to ten miles. But we have uh, 11 buildings that I serve, um, eight elementaries, a middle school, a high school, and then what we call an innovation center for high school students. And uh, I support about 5,500 students and a little over 700 teachers in my district. So definitely um, a big population, but doesn't take me long to get from place to place every week. Yeah. But um, those those 700 teachers spread out between 11 buildings. There's only five days in a week, right? So yep. mm-hmm. um, tricky. yeah, so that that kind of leads in. Justin, I don't know if you had a follow up before I jump in to my next question. Um, well, just it's a multiple communities, right? That are all put together. So different little villages and things like that. Correct? Yeah, yeah. So different, I would say like community schools or neighborhood schools um, in the district, and then they all kind of come together for a melting pot when they get to when they get to middle school for sixth grade our middle school has about 1300 kids and our high school has about 1700 students so great so that um you you know you both just kind of led me right into this so um three and a half hours there's only you know so many hours in the day and only so many working hours there's only five working days a week um so obviously there it's just it's it's physically impossible for the two of you to actively be in all of the buildings that you support um let alone every day even every week um cami it sounds like maybe even for you every month it might be tough to get into all of the buildings that you serve so um knowing knowing that you know okay you you can't get to every building um how do you go about giving support to your teachers when you when you can't always be there you can't always see them um how do you kind of i guess maybe duplicate yourself a little bit to to be there when you're not physically there what does that look like for both of you and cammy we'll we'll turn to you first and then rachel All right, I'll start off with some of the things that happen here. So uh, that aspect of keeping a presence is so important. How do we, you know, what does that look like? So we try a couple things. I'm, this year, I actually have two other coaches um, with me. And I forgot to mention that because that does help. Last year, I was the only one. So, um, you know, it's nice to have some people to share that distance with. So one of the things that we've done 
um, over the time. So when I started this job six years ago, I was the first coach. So I, you know, I'm kind of the only coach our district's known. We've just, it, it's evolved with how that's gone. So one of the things we've done is um, monthly newsletters, and those have become pretty, pretty important to what we do. We, every month we uh, have a skills challenge in them. So um, this year, it's all about search skills. Last year, it was Google Drive organization. What, the year before, it was Chromebook. So we, we do these skills, um, little mini lessons, and then teachers and their students can submit their work and they get a little Amazon card. So those kinds of things with those little enticements, like those little skills uh, challenges have really uh, pulled people into the newsletter. And so then our newsletter is we have sections like around the district. And so we show, you know, what's going on and we have, you know, different sections because we're not, uh, because there's not many of us as coaches, we kind of, we do it all, right? Like, so I do a lot of technology, but I'm also literacy coach and everything else coach, right? Yeah. So th there's quite a big breadth of things that I might encounter in a day as far as, as topics. And so that newsletter helps us to, to push a lot of that forward. Um, one of the things in there, we always have something called PD bingo. And Ooh. so you can imagine in a district like ours, um, if I'm a PD deliverer, I don't get to schools all the time. So we have a PD bingo that we do. And it's, uh, you can, you know, depending on how many spaces you get, then there's prizes. We usually do it as extra PD funds to do things. But that's, that's been really um, popular as well. And then in that newsletter every month, there's a square of the month. And so if you do the square in that month, we send a $10 Amazon card. And it's amazing how teachers will be pulled in with a $10 Amazon card. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, the, the fact that I, that idea of paying people a little bit to do PD um, is good. And that also really creates community because lots of it's like post a Padlet or post on this Wakelet or, you know, uh, record on Flipgrid your answer. And so then what that does is it also builds community around our district as well, because we have lots of teachers that, that never meet or don't get to see each other very often. So it kind of helps build that community too. So I love that so much. Would you things. mind to share like just a couple of the recent things that have been on the PD bingo board? Like what, what types of PD are they completing to essentially like mark off a square on their bingo mm. board? So it can be a whole, we've got, you know, some easier ones and some harder ones. So um, one might be, so one square is to do a single month of the skills, the skills blitz that we talked about. And then okay. another square is to do the whole season, right? So do do the whole season, uh, put all your evidence into a Google slide, and then that's a box. Another one would be to uh, listen to two hours of podcasts and tell about, you know, who you should listen to as podcasts. And we've got one like that for webinars. We've got- I know uh, a podcast they when... can listen to, get a square. <laughs> yeah. Shameless plug. So, and then actually, so there's that one. And then they have another one where uh, we- are a Canva district. So we're really trying, our, our teachers love Canva. Um, and one of the things that we do as coaches for our admin in our schools is we do lots of the Canva template design. Mm -hmm. So we're like, here's a template design for this exhibition of learning that y'all have to do. Um, you can take this, use it however you want, edit it, put your colors in, your branding. But so we, we try to build a lot of those templates and um things that the especially the smaller schools you know if you're the if you're the principal at one of our smaller schools you are also probably a teacher of at least 0.7 time so like three quarters of your time you're probably a classroom teacher plus being the admin so when we build things in canva um that's helpful but then what one of the things in one of the podcast squares is 
create a design in Canva that shows your four favorite podcasts. So just, you know, so that one's you're some of them are doing things. So you have to listen to the podcast and you have to create a thing. Um, some of them are easier, like uh, social, emotional kind of, you know, uh, give us a post about the favorite thing that happens at your school to create community or so, you know, there's some really easy ones. And then there's some that are um, we try to hit technology and social, emotional and uh, literacy and uh, deeper thinking. So, you know, we've got a whole variety. Yeah, that's so great. And so fun. is it a, is it a year long, like the school year long? Yeah, we have, so they have. Yeah, school year long. So we have um, a board. We used to actually look, used to look like a bingo board and you had to get, you know, like a row or something. And now we just have a, a list of 30 things and you have 25 is a blackout. So um, a blackout, if you do 25 items, we will pay for your registration to a major conference. So oh, wow. uh, last year when I went That's to ISTE, some of the some of the gals that I was with uh, had gotten their ISTE paid for because they had done all this bingo work. And you would be like teachers, some teachers, honestly, it's too bad, couldn't care less about the PD, right? Yeah. Um, but others, it's like, I want to go to this thing and I don't get enough money otherwise to go. So I'm going to pay for my, at least my registration with mm-hmm. PD bingo. And so they they really just pump out the, the challenges and and so they like it the pd bingo because it's asynchronous they do it on their own time mm-hmm. and there's such a variety so yeah that's been a fun one that we've done yeah, yeah. that's amazing rachel what about you how are you kind of multiplying yourself for i teachers? have just learned a lot i know <laughs> thank you i know that. <laughs> took lots of notes there yeah um i would say my district is um very much like a family uh, already and um so just by making myself available as far as putting things physically in the school buildings, like PD on the potty uh, is a thing I do every month in all of the bathrooms uh, at every building. People know how to find me. I, too, do newsletters. I usually do two a month where I can give tech tips. And a little bit of a difference between my district and Cammie's is my buildings all have a coach. Um, so I am the one single tech coach, I guess they would, that's what they call me because their coaches are literacy. Yeah. They're mostly literacy or the data for math Mm -hmm. or, or whatever. So they're not focused on the tech integration piece and that's what I'm there to do. Another thing that I like to do is, um, within the district is competitions. So, um, my district has, uh, edu badges as part of their PD and um, I do something called Battle of the Badges amongst different buildings. <laughs> they go um, crazy for that. They, they love it. Um, this this past month I did David versus Goliath with the four small elementaries versus the four large elementary schools. And the small schools won um, by leaps and oh. bounds. Wow. So I find that super interesting. Um, and they like to do a lot of trash talk. And, uh, <laughs> and every time I'm in their buildings, they are always talking about it. So... Um, also I would say that, um, just letting them know when I'm available or where I am at any given time, we, I hop on a Google meet often when I'm not in somebody's building. So if they, um, need to chat about something or whatever, and they know I'm not in their building that day, they, they feel comfortable just making an appointment real Mm -hmm. quick. We can hop on. Um, and I can help troubleshoot something or go through a unit or a lesson or give them tips and um, supporting them in that way. So I don't physically have to be there. 
Great. Rachel, you have a schedule that you, you know, it's kind of a set. Here's when I'm in the building. How do you communicate that schedule to your teachers? Okay, good question. Um, in the beginning of the year, I physically give every teacher my schedule on cardstock, mm. like a kind of like a, a fourth of a size of piece of paper. And mm -hmm. I see them in their classrooms now all throughout the year. Um, I use Canva to design that. And um, then I have that in my newsletter all the time. It's always there. And then I also email um, teachers the day before I'm coming. So they uh. know I'll be in their building all day. Um, and I just schedule those emails out in advance. Um, I find that because like, in the elementaries, mm -hmm. I'm only there once a month. So letting them know the day before, hey, tomorrow's my day. I'm going to be in your district then they take me up on scheduling something. And it's almost always um, my calendar starts to fill up that afternoon. Yeah. I think it's smart to send them the day before. Like when I was coaching, I would do it the morning of. Like, reminder, I'm here today. And then it's like, you know, too far gone, right? Like they've already got yeah, the, the IEP meeting. Times. The principal's yeah. already coming to like observe them so they're stressed or, you know, whatever yeah. else that they have going on. But something about even just the day before, I think that's smart. I usually try also on like the Friday before the, the week I'm starting, at mm -hmm. least for the elementary principals, because I'm more consistently, more often in the middle and high school. Mm -hmm. um, I tell the principal, hey, I'll be there Tuesday, FYI, um, just a reminder, you know, I don't know what meetings you have going on all the time. Sometimes yeah. they don't communicate that with me. So I kind of say, hey, I'm here to do whatever you need me to do from their, like our middle or our elementaries have from 8 to 9 a.m. And if they don't have a meeting already scheduled, often principals would say, hey, if you want to offer something, I'm game. Like, so I can do that. Yeah. Yes, please. A, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I do it. Yeah. I do it in, in a, many of our elementaries. So that's awesome. And Cami, I don't, I don't know about you. Do you have a consistent schedule or, or how does it work for you to actually, how do you determine yeah. what buildings you're going <laughs> well, to and when? We've tried, we've tried a lot of things, but you know, because of the, my, the driving really that consistent schedule, it just doesn't, doesn't work out. And again, the smaller schools really, um, really love it when we come because we're a sounding board, we're another body, we're another set of hands. And so, you know, not every school is, is, is the bigger schools don't, don't need us as much. We still go there lots and we do lots of great things, but the smaller schools are like, yes, yes. Can you please come? So um, with the schedule, I'm kind of the boss of the schedule. So we have a shared Google calendar, but um, it's kind of on a as as need or as ask basis. And so mm -hmm. a school say, hey, we want to do a thing with coding or we want to do a, can you help us with, with Google Sites or something? And so I, I might start with a teacher and then we'll book that in. And then what will happen is if I'm doing other coaching cycles or other coaching work with other teachers, I'll say, hey, I'm coming to your school on Tuesday, the, you know, 27th of March. Do you want to do the next, like, should we get to do the next step in the thing that we've been working on? And so typically before the day's end over, I'll have a whole day built out of, of, you know, little projects that I'm pushing along with different teachers or um, in our farthest schools, so there's kind of a whole community um, about two hours away that I, that, you know, we, we will drive back and forth to on a day, but often when I go there, I'll stay overnight. And so I'll say oh, to wow, the schools, yeah. I'll say, okay, I'm coming um on these two or three days what do you want mm -hmm. what do you want to do and so then around okay well we'll do this and this or i'll talk to the individual teachers so it's kind of a it has to be something that i or that we schedule as coaches because that driving time it's like okay well if i'm here in the morning i've got enough time i can drive to this school 
in the afternoon. And so you can't, you can't put that on a schedule. So, yeah. you know, it, it's just, and then there's, you know, with meetings and all the other things that happen. So um, we don't have a set schedule. And so that might mean that, you know, for some schools we're there quite a bit in a little bit of time. And then the other, other schools we haven't gotten to for, you know, could be a month or two before we get to some schools, but then we'll be there three times within three weeks because we're working on a project. So sure. it's, there's, there's an ebb and flow about how all that yeah. works <laughs> scheduling wise here. You did say something though that, um, I have another follow-up question. Sorry. Um, no, jump no, in if you want to do Justin. Um, but how, so I, Rachel, I know you do. Um, and Cami, you mentioned it as well. I was wondering as you were talking and then you said like your coaching cycles. So I'm curious to hear from <laughs> both of you, what does, what, what do coaching cycles look like mm-hmm. with, you know, Rachel, so many teachers, you know, we know we've got a lot of schools like our Texas schools or, you know, yeah. they've got even, you know, quadruple the number, you know, that they're supporting. Um, so what, what does that look like recruiting teachers and carving out time to have a consistent coaching cycle when you have so many buildings, so many <laughs> teachers or so many miles to cover? What's that look like? Rachel, we'll go to you first on this. Okay. Um, I typically have only really done coaching formal coaching cycles at the middle and high school level because I'm there once a week Mm -hmm. and can can sustain that Mm -hmm. where I see them often I do have a couple of elementary teachers who we do meet every time I'm in their building once a month and they're working on specific things I guess you could call that a formal coaching cycle although it's not necessarily dedicated to one specific goal that they want to achieve it's Mm -hmm. multiple goals that are kind of month long and then we check in every month so um that's that's really how I have worked it into my schedule um, and found that it's been pretty successful. So awesome. awesome Thank man. you, Kimmy. What about you? Well, ours ours aren't what you would call really they, they might be somewhat formal, but they're certainly not structured. You know, like when you look at lots, read lots of the books about ed coaching, it's like an eight week cycle and you get on right. the bus and you do your thing and off the bus and maybe even with the cohort. Ours are very loose. So as a teacher has a goal we will kind of onboard them. And so actually, Rachel was talking about Google Meet, and that has made the world of difference for us. Um, when I started this job, like nobody would want to go Google Meet. In fact, yeah. it was hardly a mm-hmm. thing, right? And then so COVID has been great for that because teachers are like, well, no, don't come out. We'll just Google Meet. So for coaching sessions, you know, we might, they might they'll email and say, hey, I want to I want to work on this. Or when I'm in a school, they'll say, Hey, can we start to work on this? I'll say, okay, great. Let's start. So we might, we might actually have a couple Google meets where we're setting the stage. We're talking about the, you know, the problem of practice and, you know, getting a few ideas down and then I'll come to the building to co-teach or, you know, uh, work with students or something like that. And so we've already done all this work on Google meet. Uh, where we've met during a prep period or right at the end of school or or before school. So Google Meet has just really helped uh, multiply the amount of work that we're able to do in a coaching cycle. So it might be half and half, you know, half over Google Meet and half in person. Or if the schools are really far away, it might even be like two thirds Google Meet and one third in person. But it's just really, we can do a lot of work in a Google Meet. And again, because of the distri- distance, our teachers are like, oh, well, that's a better option than, you know, waiting till you get here. So yeah. mm-hmm. that, you know, they don't have to wait to do a coaching cycle. So that's really kind of sped that process up. So 
That's awesome. Um, I love to Google hear that they're adapting and, and mm-hmm. embracing that. So that's awesome. Okay. My line of questioning. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to bring it to a close here as we take a quick break from our sponsor and we will be right back. Who is in your coach community? The EDU Coach Network is a professional learning community designed specifically to help instructional coaches connect, learn, and grow together. With free and paid options available, there is a space for all coaches in the EDU Coach Network. Join today and access coaching content that will help you impact teaching and learning in your school. Go to www.educoachnetwork.com to join. Instructional coaches support teachers, students, administrators, and really everyone in the district. In fact, research shows that instructional coaching is one of the most impactful forms of professional development that results in improved teacher instruction and student achievement. But who is supporting the coach? Ford Edge provides multiple year-long mentorship options recommended by the Google for Education Certified Coach Program to help you gain the valued support you need as an instructional coach. Visit forward-edge.net to start giving PD to the ultimate PD providers. Welcome back to the Restart Recharge podcast. I'm Katie Ritter with co-host Justin Thomas here. And we've got um, Rachel and Cammie with us today. And we are talking about um, finding a balance in really large districts, either geographically or number of buildings or number of staff members that coaches support. Um, so we've been we've been digging in. Um, and I'm going to turn it over to Justin to kind of take us to the next step here uh, beyond teachers that you all support. Yeah, because obviously you got to support the administration as well. And also um, just it's difficult, especially with both of your situations to always touch, you know, touch base with the administration, the schools that you are in. So how do you work with administration knowing that you're not always going to be in their building or get a chance to actually have a meeting with them? Because, you know, sometimes you might be at that building, but they have like a seminar or something that they're doing. So they might not even be in the building that day. Um, So how do you keep a presence in those buildings, um, working with the administration when you might not always get a chance to actually sit down with them and kind of show what's the amazing things that are happening in their district? Uh, I'll start if that's okay. Sure. Um, I would say, first of all, just building rapport and relationship with them, getting to know them, um, trying to accommodate whatever their schedule is, which is crazy, um, crazy busy. And um, I kind of, I prepare little like five minute spurts of things I want to say. (laughs) And I will, when I'm in a building, I just pop in an office and just say, Hey, I wanted to run something by you. Do you have a second? Mm -hmm. And I started doing that at the beginning of the year, um, not necessarily knowing their schedule because like, for example, our high school, we have one main principal, but we have a ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th grade principal as well. So there's tons of administrators that I still don't always know. Um, And so trying to figure out, first of all, who's going to be my person that Mm -hmm. I talk to. And then once I start that relationship and and build that rapport with them, then I can kind of just pop in rather than scheduling a formal meeting because their schedules are unpredictable often. And it's, uh, I don't want to be seen as a nuisance Mm -hmm. um, to them or one more thing that they have to take on. Um, I also would say that anytime I need a principal to communicate something or anytime I would like to communicate with the staff, I write up in advance what I need them to communicate and ask them if they could just copy paste that, send that out mm-hmm. um, to their staff. It saves them time and kind of um, 
lightens their load, I would say. And then I would also say because my our buildings have um, coaches in them, having the relationship with the coach, often the coach is like the right hand of the principal. So meeting with mm-hmm. the coach, often they have the ear of the principal and can communicate when I'm not in the building. Oh, I mm-hmm. met with Rachel, you know, this past Monday. And then um, that's how I've kind of gotten now to my next little part of the answer is invited to building leadership team meetings or yeah. mm-hmm. principals meetings with the curriculum um, directors and just kind of have a voice at the table um, where they might ask my opinion about things. And um, only being there for a year and a half, I've had to really work hard at relationship building with principals. So yeah, I think that's interesting, Rachel. It's kind of like insert coach, like insert whoever, right? Like peer influencer for the admin at the building. We talk a lot about that and think about that with teachers, like some of our teachers who maybe, you know, maybe they don't want to work with the coach. They're, you know, yeah. for whatever reason. Um, and a lot of times like working with their peer influencers is really helpful. So when you said, you know, the coach often has their ear, it just kind of made me think like that's a good spin to put on, like find the building principal's peer influencer um, if you're struggling to connect for whatever reason, schedules, they don't understand what you do as a coach, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it may be. So I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Cammie, what do you uh, use like to help get, kind of communicate with the administration? So we're fortunate in that um, as coaches, we get invited to the school leader meeting. So every about every month we have a, a school leader meeting where all the leaders travel in together and we're face, usually face to face in person. And, and there's, you know, a kind of a morning where there's lots of um, admin PD and admin you know, like, uh, uh, su- like leadership support, like growing right. them as leaders. And then the afternoon has this list of all the agenda yeah. items <laughs> of all the things. Right. But so we get to go to those. And so we're, we're sitting in the room. And so that's a great t- time to, you know, sit beside a different leader every time and get to know people. And so, because I've been in the district for six years, I, I do know all the leaders mm-hmm. really well by now, but um, again, those small school leaders really especially find value in what we do. And so I, I often joke that we're as a coach, I'm on speed text. <laughs> and so, you know, if they have a, a question or a thing, um, they'll they'll text me. And if it's one of those small schools principals, I do just about everything to get back to them as soon as I can. Or, you know, other people, you'll see that email and come in and say, okay, well, I'll, I'll do that tomorrow morning or I'll get to that tonight. But if it's sure. one of those small school I'm like, I try to support them because I know like they've been teaching all day and they're trying to fit these things in between, you know, their, their teaching time. So, um, having developed that relationship where they'll, they'll shoot us off a text and say, Hey, I know you're coming on Friday. Can you do this too? Or can you, can we squeeze this in? And so that, you know, that real quick communication would be one thing. Um, and then like Rachel said, when we're in the schools, if we're there to see teachers, always making sure to, you know, get into the, the coach or the sorry, the principal or the admin and say, hey, um, I'm here today and I've met with some of your teachers. And of course, there's confidentiality and you don't necessarily go into all the things that you've mm-hmm. been working on. But if let's say I've been, you know, working on, oh, like this year, our whole district is doing exhibitions of learning at their schools. And so that's been a brand new thing. And the schools are like, wow, what 
is this thing and how do we do it? And so as coaches, we've really been supporting that. And so the teacher or the admin at the end of the day love it when I say, okay, so uh, I was working with this teacher on their project and this teacher and they just, oh, thank you for, for doing that because that's been quite a quite a new thing. And so everyone's a little uncertain of how to go forward. So when they know that we've been in the building and we've been moving some of those those projects along with teachers, they love love to know that. And so, um, you know, we want to, like, like, like Rachel said, lighten their load and, and kind of support wherever we can. Yeah. And Cami, if you wouldn't mind really quick, what's an exhibition of learning in case anyone's not sure? So think like um, uh, uh, sometimes when teachers don't know, we say like, think like science fair, you know, yeah. where everyone's oh, yeah. kind of got their, their thing, but it'll be not, it could look like lots of different things. So basically throughout the year, the goal is at the end, we're going to celebrate some learning so it might be like some schools are publishing a book and some schools are doing like a you know like a like a learning fair where here's the best thing i learned this year and here's how i learned it so it, it's the the final product but we're really focusing on the process the learning along the way that reflection and so um we're also trying to grow our schools and our teachers in that kind of that deeper that deeper learning process where it's iterating and reflecting mm-hmm. on something that they're doing. And so that's, you know, as a school, they are all responsible to have a an afternoon or an evening where they all come together and they have a, a show a learning showcase. And so that's what we're calling these exhibitions of learning. And so that's something that a few schools have done, but it certainly hasn't been kind of a district wide mandate. And so that's really pushing the thinking and pushing the learning yeah. in a good way. Um, and so that's been a real avenue for us as coaches to do lots of support. Yeah, it sounds like a great way to duplicate yourself. Well, kind of, yeah. um, I, I recent, I just kind of on the same line of thought with this admin, I recently heard someone say um, they, they do not have a coach, this particular um, group of schools. And um, someone said, we don't think our teachers really understand what an instructional coach is, so we don't think they'd be used. Um, so aside from just, going down a soapbox there. I would argue that it's more important for the building principals to understand what the coach is, like starting sure. off, um, because they can really just be such an advocate. I mean, I anyone who's a loyal listener knows I say this all the time, but um, just this week I was reading additional coaching research around like systemic change um, in a district and how do coaches support systemic like instructional transformation in a district. Um, and it just goes, it goes right back to admin support. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it starts from the top and it's so critical at the building level for those building principles to understand. So I think some of the things and advice that you both gave are, are really great starters to helping form those relationships and help those building principles um, or, you know, the building leaders, whatever they're called, um, you know, help them understand what your capability and and places that you can plug in and support teachers, because once they understand, they'll help their teachers understand the value of the coach and and how they can utilize them. And I think too, like helping the principal with something they're working on. Mm -hmm. Like a a small example is one of the principals at the element at an elementary was trying to learn Canva for her weekly staff bulletin. And I did what Cammie talked about in, um, creating a template for Black History Month and just created that and froze all of the the text boxes so she couldn't mess it up because she's super nervous. (laughs) And she has now pushed that out. And now all of a sudden, I am 
super valuable yeah. to yeah. her teachers. And she's like, when can we plug you in? And just one little tiny thing for me to support her went a long way. So yeah, I agree. Canva's a great gateway for coaches. Like, oh yeah, it, it, <laughs> in our district, like every teacher, every admin wants to know more and learn more about canvas. So a lot of the work that we've been doing this year is like, Hey, can you teach our teachers canva? And so lots of the PD that we've done, you know, both in person and, and video PD and asynchronous, it's been around canva. And it's like, that's been a door opener in a lot of ways, actually. So Oh, yeah, it's so nice when you find that, like, it's so I feel like it's rare to find the like golden ticket yeah, right. of a tool that does so much. So when teachers actually invest their time, them and their students, they mm-hmm. just get to learn so much. But um, we are, we're big fans of Canva here too. Mm-hmm. But um, okay, sorry, it's landing on me, Justin. You've got to get it back well, to you. You, you did um, all right the other time. So. <laughs> <laughs> but we're gonna end this episode with your top three tips for finding a balance in um, a large district be it geographically, building number, uh, student staff population. So, Kimmy, we'll start with you on this one um, to kind of round us out here. Okay. So, number one, uh, and in no particular order, of course, would be to use Google Meet or Zoom or whatever your your product is to, um, to do lots of things, to move coaching cycles along, to have those meetings with teachers or admin to provide that support. For my case, it saves a lot of driving time. But, you know, mm-hmm. even for Rachel, it's just it's just that time. And so you can get teachers on and off real quick. And so our teachers like to just do that because it saves it saves everybody time. So number one would be to use Google Meet to um, take advantage. In person is per- important, but the support with uh, um, Google Meet or whatever is really important, too. So a second one, and we didn't talk about this as much, but would be to clone yourself with the power of video. Mm-hmm. And so... I do lots of, you know, lots of when people have a question or I say, oh, I've had that question twice this week. I'll make a really quick screencastify recording. So I have that and then send that out. But then I'll do a lot that are just a little bit, you know, better quality videos um, and record PD or videos. We do a lot of after school PD, uh, mini PDs, and then I'll record those. So there's a video people can watch later so that use the power of video Um for that asynchronous, you know, people at their own time. Um, that's been important. And then the last one I would say would be um, arrive early and stay late. And mm-hmm. for me, I don't know what it's like for you, Rachel, but it's like, oh, I've been meaning to email you. And oh, right. So that's when teachers have time. It's not during the day, but if you're there before or after, then their their teacher load is kind of off. And they're like, oh, I've been wanting to email you about this. And so that's when I find that my calendar grows is before school and after school when teachers are like, oh, I've been wanting to talk to you. And so then, you know, we either probably just make a schedule to talk in the future, but it happens because I'm there. I try to be there in the building before the day starts and if possible to still be there at the end of the day. And that's when a lot of the best coaching happens. So those would be my three. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. Well, um, I would say my first tip is to find a way to let people in the district get to know you before you um, even step foot in their building somehow on a personal level so that when you do get in the building, they already feel connection in some way um, to you. And one way I do that in my newsletter is just get to know your tech coach, just personal things. And I have teachers uh, respond in flip 
um, mm-hmm. and they connect with each other that way. But then they that's a point of conversation when I come mm-hmm. in the building. Like, oh, I didn't know you had a dog or, you know, whatever. Um, my second tip would be actually to set boundaries for how many people you can work with because I think that – when you're working with people in coaching cycles, teachers, um, you if you spread yourself too thin, then I think you can lose effectiveness mm-hmm. in in coaching them. So yeah, no kind of trying to set those boundaries and just, set, you know, having a limit to how many can sign up to do a coaching cycle specifically would be my second one. And then my third is to work smarter, not harder. And similar to what Cammie said, where you can repeat things, do so. Um, doing the same mini PD for several of the buildings or videoing one and sending Mm -hmm. it out to the rest. Um, and then like, like Cammie said, the small videos, when you get something asked more than once, go ahead and just make a video and send that out. Um, people find that to be valuable. So those are mine. Awesome Awesome tips. Those are really good tips. I love your, your little quote for that tip, Cammie, uh, clone yourself with the power of video. It's like a, that should be a (laughs) good presentation title or something. (laughs) Awesome. Well, um, thank you both for coming on. This has been uh, definitely a really good episode in terms of I'm, I'm still I still can't get over the fact that I mean, like, I've been through West Virginia multiple times and it's a pretty large state for <laughs> in terms of how you're covering that in multiple West schools. Virginia is bigger. Oh, West it's better. Virginia okay. Almost, is almost twice the size of us. So but okay, we're so bigger not than quite. yeah, all those little like Vermont you know, and Rhode Island yeah, and, yeah. all, all <laughs> of those the New yeah oh that is that's mind-blowing but um, thank you both for coming on hopefully this has helped a lot of folks in in very similar situations whether it's uh, geographical um, or student population uh, yeah, large great so. ideas thank you both for coming on thanks for having us so we have another episode coming up next uh, in two weeks that's going to be really good. Um, it's going to be an episode about coaches working with teachers who struggle with classroom management. So we know that classroom management can sometimes be difficult. So we'll talk about ideas that coaches can assist teachers with to get a little bit more ed tech in there and hopefully get students engaged and interested in those lessons. Yeah, so be sure to subscribe to Restart Recharge wherever you listen to podcasts. We would love a rating and review if you have a couple of seconds. Just help other educators and coaches find our podcast. It would mean a lot to us. And you can follow us on all the social media at RRCoachCast. And feel free to reach out to us and let us know if there's any topics that you want us to discuss here on Restart Recharge. So press the restart button, recharge your coaching batteries, and leave feeling equipped and inspired to coach fearlessly with the Restart Recharge podcast. A tech coach collective.